Welcome to Dreamful Podcast, bedtime stories for slumber. I would like to start off this episode by thanking our newest Patreon supporters, Jamie Rush, Cammie Smith, Emma Hoyle, and Nancy E. Thank you all so much, and I hope you have the sweetest of dreams. If you find value in Dreamful and would also like to contribute to the show, please visit dreamfulstories.com. We can find info about the show, and on the support page, there's a link to leave a one-time donation with PayPal, get bonus episodes synced to Spotify with Supercast, or subscribe to Patreon for bonus episodes and other perks. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. One of my greatest struggles since I started working from home is something I would have never expected. There were days where I couldn't remember common phrases or what I walked into a room for, and it made work more difficult because I was unable to solve simple problems. How we care for our minds affects how we experience life, so it's important to invest in keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like getting exercise or a good night's sleep, and there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And it's much more affordable than in-person therapy. Get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours and experience how online therapy can help keep your mind clear and healthy. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com dreamful. That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash dreamful. For the month of July, I will be taking a little break from the regular episodes to create more content and catch up on things in my personal life. My Patreon, Supercast, and Apple Podcast subscribers will all get the bonus episodes they normally get this month. In place of my regular episodes, I'm going to feature three podcasts I have specifically picked out for you, my listener, and I hope you love them as much as I do. This episode features Mythoslavic, a podcast of Slavic fairy tales, folklore, myths, and legends of magic and monsters. I hope you enjoy The Bridesman's Son and The Bride Bradkins from Mythoslavic. So, snuggle up in your blankets and have sweet dreams. Once upon a time, there was a miller and his wife, and both were miserly and hard of heart. When the emperor's servant brought the corn to be ground, the miller would grind the corn free of charge and send the emperor a gift into the bargain, only to gain favor with the mighty emperor and his daughter, the proud princess. But when poor folk came to have their corn ground, the miller would take one measure in payment for every two that he ground, and without that he would not grind at all. One day, just about Yuletide, and in the time of bitter frost, an old wife came to the mill, an old wife all patches and tatters. The mill stood in a little grove by the stream, and no one could say whence that old wife had come. But this wasn't just an old wife like other old wives, it was Mother Mokosh. Now, Mokosh could turn herself into any mortal thing, a bird or a snake, 
or an old woman or a young girl. And besides that, she could do anything, both good and bad. But woe to him who got into her bad books, for she was very spiteful. Mokosh lived in the morass on the fringe of the bog, where the autumn sun dwelt. And with her, the sun put up over the long winter nights, for Mokosh knew potent herbs and powerful spells. She would nurse and cherish the feeble old son till he grew young again at Tuleside and started on his way once more. My name is Carmen and this is Mitoslavic. to you, Mother Mokosh called out to the miller and his wife. Just grind this bag of corn for me. The old wife put the bag on the floor and the miller agreed. I'll grind it for you, half the bag for you, for your cake, and half for me, for my trouble. Not so, my son. I shall not have enough for my yuletide cake, because I have six sons, and for seventh, my grandson, the son, who was born today. Go away and don't talk rubbish, you old fool, burst out the miller. A likely one, you are to be the son's grandmother. So they argued this way and that, but the miller wouldn't consent to grind for less than one half of the bag, and so the old wife picked up her bag again and went away by the way she came. But the miller had a daughter, a beautiful girl called Bride Brightkins. When she was born, the fairies bathed her in the water that falls from the wheel, so that all evil should turn away from her, even as water runs away from a mill. And moreover, the fairies foretold that at her wedding, the son should be a bridesman. How fancy! She was the son's little bride, so they call her Bride Brightkins, and she was the most beautiful and smiling as a summer's day. Bride Brightkins was sorry when the miller sent away the old wife so unkindly. She went out and waited in the woods for the old wife, and said, Come again tomorrow, mother, when I shall be alone. I will grind you corn for you for nothing. Next day the miller and his wife went into the woods to cut the yule log, and Bride Brightkins was left alone. Before long, the old wife came up with her bag. Good fortune be yours, young maiden, said the wife, and yours too, returned Bride Brightkins. Wait a moment, mother, till we open the mill. The mill was worked by a little wheel which caught the water with four paddles set crosswise, which turned like a spindle. The miller had shut off the water, and Bride Brightkins had to wade up to her knees in the icy stream to open the sluice. The mill clattered, round went the millstones and Bride Brightkins ground the old wife's corn. She filled up the bag with flour and took nothing for her pains. Thank you kindly, maiden, said Mother Mokosh, and I'll help you with whithersoever your feet may carry you 
since your feet you did not save from the ice-cold wave, nor grudge your hands to soil with unrequited toil. And moreover I'll sell my grandson, the son, to whom he owes his yuletide cake. And the old wife took up her bag and went away. From that day nothing would prosper in the mill without bright brightkins. Unless her hand was on the mill, the paddles would not take the water. Unless she looked in the bin, there would be no floor in it. No matter how much might fall into it from the grain box, it was all lost on the floor. The bin remained empty unless bride fed the mill. And so it was with everything in and about the mill. This went on for many days, on and on and never any change, till the miller and his wife began to be jealous of their daughter and began to hate her. The harder the girl worked and more she earned, the blacker they looked at her, because it came to her as easy as a song, and to them not even with toiling and moiling. It was upon a morning about Belten time when the sun, strong and flaming, travels across one half of heaven like a ball of pure gold. The sun no longer slept in the morass, nor did Mother Mokosh foster him now, but the sun was lord of the world, and sky and earth obeyed him. Bride Brightkin set a belt-sand time beside the mill and thought to herself, If only I could get away, since I cannot please those cross patches anyhow. And just as she thought this, there appeared before her the old wife, who really was Mokosh. I will help you, but you must obey me in all things, and take care not to offend me, said the old wife. This very morning the proud princess walked into the meadow and lost the keys of her chest and her wardrobe, and now she cannot get at her crown nor her robes either. So the princess has caused it to be proclaimed that whoever finds the key, if it be a youth, the princess will become his true love and bride-to-be, and if it be a maiden, the princess will take her for her first lady-in-waiting, so you come away with me, and I will show you where the keys are lying among the love lies bleeding that grows in the meadow. You will bring the princess her keys and become her first lady-in-waiting, you will be dressed in silk and sit by the princess's knee. Then Mokosh at once turned herself into a quail, and Bride Bridekins followed her. They came to the meadow in front of the emperor's castle. Gallant knights and noble dames walked around the meadow, and around the meadow stood their esquires holding meddlesome steeds. One steed only was not held by a squire, but by a barefoot boy. This horse belonged to Oleg the Warden, and it was the most fiery steed of all. Oleg the Warden himself was the most excellent knight under the sun. You might know Oleg the Warden amid ever so many earls and nobles, because his attire was plain and without ornament, but his white plum, the size of valor, distinguished him above all the rest. So the knights and the dames walked about the meadow, all trampling the grass with their shoes in their anxiety to find the keys. Only Oleg the Warden kept but a poor lookout for the keys, taking the matter as mere jest and idle pastime. But from her window, the emperor's daughter looked out and watched to see whom fortune would favor. 
very careful watch did she keep, the proud princess, and repeated spells for luck, so Oleg the Warden should find the keys. When Bride Bridekins came with the quail running before her, not a soul in the meadow noticed her but only Oleg. Never yet have I seen so sweet a maiden, thought Oleg the Warden, and strode towards her. But just then, the Emperor's daughter also noticed Bride from her window, and so proud and heartless was she that she never stopped to look how sweet the maiden was, but grew very angry and said, A fine plight should I be in where, that come and wench there to find the keys and become my lady-in-waiting. Thus thinking, she at once sent out her servants to drive away the girl. Bride Brightkins went over the meadow wherever the quail led her. They came to the middle of the meadow where the love lies bleeding grew tall. The quail parted two leaves at the foot of a tuft of love lies bleeding, and under them lay the keys. Bride Brightkins bent down and picked up the keys. But when she looked up to the Emperor's castle and saw the proud princess, Bride became frightened and thought, How should I become the princess's lady-in-waiting? As she thought this, she looked up, and lo, beside her stood a glorious knight, as he might have been sworn brother to the sun, and that was Oleg the Warden. Quickly Bride made up her mind to disobey Mokosh's commands, and she held out the keys to Oleg. Take the keys, unknown knight, and let the emperor's daughter be your true love and bride-to-be, said Bride Bridekins, and could not take her eyes off the glorious knight. But at that moment came the servants with whips, and roughly rated Bride Bridekins so as to drive her away from the meadow, according to the princess's commands. When Oleg saw this, he was soon resolved and thus did he answer Bride. Thank you for the keys, sweet maiden, but I have made up my mind otherwise. You shall be my true love and bride-to-be, because you are fairer than the morning star. Here is my good horse. He will carry us to my barren marches. Gladly did Bride go with Oleg, and he lifted her beside him onto his horse. As the good steed carried them swiftly past the emperor's daughter sitting at her window, Oleg threw her keys so skillfully that they caught right on the window latch. There are your keys, August Princess, cried Oleg. Wear your crown and your robes in all happiness, for I have taken the maiden for myself. All that night Oleg rode on with bride bridekins, and at dawn they arrived in barren marches, at the oaken stronghold of Oleg the Warden. Round the stockade there were three moats, and in the midst of the stockade stood a smoke-blacked house. Behold the castle of Oleg the Warden, said the knight to bride, and he laughed himself because his castle was not more splendid. But bride laughed still more heartily because she was to be the lady of such a glorious knight. So they settled at once upon the wedding guests so as to celebrate their marriage. They invited twenty gallants and twenty orphan maids, because that was all the people there were in the barren marches. And so that they might be more and merrier, they also asked the wild wolf and his mate from the hills, and the tawny eagle and the grey goshak, and the bride bridekins asked two bridesmaids, the turtle dove and the slender swallow. 
and the bride even boasted to Oleg, if the son were to recognize me, he too would come to the wedding. The son would have been bridesman at the wedding, for so did the fairies foretell. And so the wedding guests assembled in the scoot blacked castle to make merry and never knew of the ill fate in store for them. Now it had stung the proud princess to the heart when Oleg the Warden had flung her the keys, and before so many nobles, before earls and knights, refused the august princess and preferred a nameless maiden. So the princess persuaded the emperor, her father, and begged and entreated him till he lent her his mighty army. Well mounted, the army advanced upon the barren marches of Oleg the Warden with the wrathful princess at his head. The guests were just at the table when the army came in sight. It was so great that it covered all barren marches till you could not see so much as a patch of earth for it. And in front of the army a herald cried aloud for all the world to hear. Behold, a gallant army has taken the field. The warden is a rebel, we bid him to yield. Alive shall he be taken, that freedom loved best, but the heart shall be riven from his lady's breasts. When Oleg the warden heard this, he asked the bride, Are you afraid, lovely maiden? I'm not afraid, she smilingly made answer. I put my trust in the grey wolf and his mate, in your twenty gallants and twenty orphans, and most of all, in the knight Oleg the warden, and besides that, I have two brave bridesmaids, the turtle dove and the slender swallow. Oleg the warden smiled, and already the wedding guests had lightly sprung to their feet. They seized their warrior's weapons, both gallants and orphans, and stood by the windows of the soot-blacked castle, stringing their good bows with silk and cords as they waited for the princess and her army. But that army was so mighty that neither Oleg nor his wedding guests, nor the soot-blacked house, were able to withstand it. The first to fall were the grey wolf and his mate, for they jumped the stockade and the moats and rushed straight at the emperor's army to tear out the proud princess's eyes in the midst of her army. But a hundred maces rose in the air, the soldiers defended the proud princess, the eagle and the grey goshak had their pinions broken, and then the heavy horses trampled them into the black earth. The great hosts came nearer and nearer to suit Black House. When it was fairly on the threshold, the wedding guests loosed their silken bowstrings and greeted the soldiers with a shower of arrows. But the grateful arches of the grateful princess did not stop. Arrows flew hither and thither. There were arches scouting in the army, so that their arrows flew in at the windows of a sued black house like a plague from heaven. Each gallant had his two or three wounds to show, and each orphan ten. But the most grievous wound of all was upon Oleg. His good right hand hung powerlessly, so great was he overcome by his wound. Quickly, Bright Brightkin stepped up to Oleg the Warden to wash his wound in the courtyard of the Black House. While she was washing his wound, Oleg the Warden said to her, It's a poor fortune we have garnered, my Bright Brightkins. There are none left for you to put your trust in, 
and here is the host at the gates of the soot-blacked house. They will break down the oak stockade, batter down the ancient gates. We are lost. This is the end of us. Wolves and eagles and gallants and orphans, and Oleg the Warden and his bride Brightkins. But bride Brightkins considered sadly, and then she said, Do not fear, brave Warden. I will send the turtle dove to fetch Mokosh from her morass. There is nothing Mokosh does not know, and nothing she cannot do, and she will help us. So Bride Bridekins sent out the swift turtle dove. Away flew the great dove swifter than an arrow from the string, nor did the soldier's darts overtake her. Off she flew and brought back Mokosh from the bog, but Mokosh had turned herself into a raven and perched upon the gable of the sued black house. Already the soldiers were battering at the entrance, heavy clubs hammered on the doors and portals, banging and clanging till all the courts and passages of the soot-blacked house rang again, as though the hosts from the nethermost pit were beating on the gates of Oleg the Warden. Fair greetings, dear Mokosh, the lovely bird appealed to the black raven. Fair greetings, help us against the princess's malice, or else we must all die untimely. But Mokosh had only bided her time spitefully for an opportunity to give vent to her grievance. Flapping her black wings, the raven said, Save yourself, my little dove. If you had listened to me, you would have given the princess her keys. You would have basked in royal grace beside the princess had your place, in sumptuous silk fair to behold, sipping wine from a cup of gold. But now you have gotten your heart's desire. Here you are in the soot-black house with none but sore wounded beggars within and a countless host outside. Seek help from those who counsel brought you to this. When Oleg the Warden heard this, he sprang to his feet, all wounded as he was, and wrathfully cried out, Leave this unprofitable business, Bride Brightkins. When had a hero get help from a raven? And you, he called to Mokosh, get off my roof, you black bird of ill omen, lest I waste a good swift arrow and shoot the bird upon my gable. With that, Oleg embraced Bride Brightkins and said, When I perish in the midst of the Emperor's host, go, my lovely little bride, submit yourself to the princess, and you shall be lady-in-waiting to the proud princess, who should have been true love and lady of Oleg the Warden. For a moment, Oleg the Warden flinched, but then he tore himself away from his bride and rushed through the courtyard and passages to raise the oaken bars, to throw open the gates to the countless hosts and to perish or cut his way through their numbers. Bride Bridekins was left alone in the castle, and above her, on the roof, perched the black raven. She could hear the heavy oaken bars falling. Now the ancient gates must yield. Another moment and the cruel soldiers will burst in, take Oleg prisoner and rive the heart out of the breasts of her, sweet child. Bride Brightkins's thoughts chased through her brain. What is to be done and how? The lovely bride looked all around to see if there were any found to pity her in her distress. She bent her eyes to earth and raised them heavenward. As she raised them heavenward, the sun traveled across the horizon in a blaze of pure gold, and as she looked at the sun, the sun marveled at so much loveliness 
and at once look back at her. The son and the bride bridekins looked at one another, and as they looked, they recognized each other, and at once the son remembered. Why, that is the little bird whose bridesman the son was to be. In a lucky hour she gave me my yuletide bread, and in a yet luckier moment she sought me overhead. Just one moment before the son had heard Mokosh mocking bride bridekins and spitefully refusing to help her. So now the sun thundered forth his anger. All the land fell silent with fear, axes and clubs were dropped in terror as the sun thundered at Mokosh. E foster mother, heart of stone, were the world justice to be carved by spite, what crooked justice would pervert the right? If thou from slime hast reared me, yet content art thou to keep thy slime thine element. With me thou hast not showed across the sky, nor from the heavens downward bent thine eye, to learn how justice should be born of light. Fie, foster mother, heart of stone, what should the sun at belts and in his might forget, who sent him gifts on Yule night, when he was a feeble babe? Or shall bridesman's son take it ill of the bride that she left the emperor's palace and the princess's court, because she preferred a hero in her heart? Down with you into the earth, black-hearted nurse, so that you, underground, and I from the skies, may help yon worthy knight and his lovely lady. Sky and earth obeyed the sun, and how should the black raven, and that was Mokosh, withstand his commands? Upon the instant, Mokosh sank into the earth to do the sun's bidding, and as strong as the sun had been before, he now made himself yet stronger. The sun smote from above, he scorched the barren marshes, he seared heaven and earth, he would have melted the mountains of brass. Upon the cruel soldier's head, their helmets dissolved, their heavy armor melted, spears and axes grew red-hot. Heat overcame the wrathful princess, heat overcame the multitude of arches as their brains grilled inside their helmets, and their breasts labor with the heat under the armor. Who had not the shelter of a roof could not live. All the hosts were struck down by the heat. They fell one atop of another. A man would call upon his sworn brother, and then the voice would cease as the speaker perished. While the sun was thus smitting the cruel soldiers, Mokosh helped the sun from the underground. She opened deep bog holes under their feet. Whenever the sun struck down a man, there a bog hole would gape beneath him. He slipped into the bog, and the bog closed above him. Where a man stood, there his grave yawned for him. So the soldiers vanished one by one, and the archers one by one, and the weapons of war and the clubs and the axes. It was terrible to behold such a vast army stricken by the judgment of the sun from the skies. The sun was executioner and the earth gravedigger. Yet a little while, an hour or two, and the great host had vanished. Not a soul was left alive in barren marches. Only those who were under the roof of the sued black house, they were left alive. Once more, all was still in barren marches, and now the lovely lady, Bright Brightkins, peeped joyously from her window to watch her bridesman grow mild now that he had done with slaying spite upon the earth. Soon the wounds healed upon the gallants, for they had good luck to help them, 
and the orphans recovered still more quickly, because hardship is a good school. As for Oleg, he could not pine with such a true love as Bride Brightkins beside him. Early in the morning, the slender swallow flew out with a greeting for the sun. At nightfall, the swallow returned with greetings from the sun, bidding them to prepare the wedding feast for tomorrow, for he would come to give away the bride. So they made ready, and it all fell out as they had planned. And such a wedding as they had, and such songs as were sung that day in the barren marches, you will not find again in a hundred years, nor throughout nine empires. <laughs>